Pardon's blue, da ba dee da ba da as the power shock therapy leaves them lifeless. Colling would phone a friend but are left without answers with Eddie no longer making them millionaires. All quiet on the eastern front as the west wins the battle of the bridge. And big fish Marlon Pickett wins the ruck against Jake the Snake as Tigers catch Saints in the net. Welcome back to AFL by Dummies. We are here in the aftermath of round five, Tom. A very interesting round of football with some teams seemingly solidifying their case for a premiership tilt while other teams continuing to prove why we have constant doubts about them. We're going to go into a new segment to start this week as I welcome you here. We're going to do, instead of our winners and losers this week, teams that we do trust and teams that we don't trust. So, Tom, please tell me, which team do you trust after round five? So, I think the obvious answer for who I trust would be Melbourne at the moment um, after their performance this weekend. Um, But more specifically, with their inclusion of players like Ed Langdon. Now, if you didn't see on the weekend, Ed Langdon, I think he had 17 disposals and three goals on the wing. Um, Best game he's played in his career by a country mile. Um, And I'm starting to trust their game plan. Their game plan seems to work. And this is exactly the type of situation that they would be in last year and would have lost. You know, the first, they they concede the first goal of the last quarter um, after being, you know, two goals, less than two goals up. Um, And from here, last year, year before, would have lost. But this, they go on a seven-goal haul. I think they doubled, did they double, almost double their goal tally in one quarter. Um, And now I'm I'm ready to believe. I'm all in on them. I love watching Maxi Gorn play. Um, He really is one of the most exciting players in the competition. And um, I'm so excited for Saturday night. I think I've got a, we've got a birthday party on Saturday. I think I'm just going to be in the corner watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I will be there with you. Yeah, you are right, actually. They kicked seven goals for the first three quarters and then eight in the last, which is an incredible final effort. Um, I I like that vein of backing in a particular, a particular team and then within that, a particular player. But I'm going to go the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, I'm going to pick a team that has gotten a lot of flack this season, but I actually still have faith in and that's Brisbane um I I trust Brisbane Mm. I think I think that they are still a good side and more specifically I trust Lockie Neal uh a wise man once said you don't win a Brownlow by accident um you can't be a pretty good player and stumble your way to a Brownlow medal Lockie Neal is an elite player has been for several years before he won the Brownlow he's had a mediocre start to the season we know he's been carrying injuries and boy was he back in the wet in tight in conditions that suited him he had 38 on the weekend and kicked two goals both coming from contested play I mean it was back to his vintage Brownlow medal best he'll probably get three on the weekend he did my super coach team some wonders in draft um, it was good being a back. I trust him. I trust the Brisbane, and I think they'll be. I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with through the season and probably come finals as well. But Tom, after all of this week of all the teams that we do trust, there's a lot of things we don't trust anymore. Who do you not trust anymore? So I know they dispatched Collingwood this week, but I don't trust West Coast yet. Um, they haven't won in. Melbourne uh, this year and I feel like this is a constant discussion we have about them every single year where during the first half of the home and away season they just lose a couple games where you thought they would win but they were away from home you know um, especially that St Kilda game where they really had it away and then just sort of stopped playing Um, I can't quite put them in you know top four contention just yet Um, They just need to win a couple of games on the road and especially in Melbourne against, you know, a quality a quality side like a Melbourne or a Bulldogs or Geelong at GMHBA this week. And that's what I was going to mention. They've got a couple of really interesting fixtures to come. Geelong this week, which we'll get to in our typical later, it's going to be an incredible match. Then the derby between a Fremantle side that's been better in in the last few weeks and looks mm. looks looks good. And then they travel to the MCG to play Hawthorne. So 
you know, if they are the team that we think they can be, instead of this kind of three and two pretty good side, they win all three of those games, I think. 100%, 100%. What about you? Who do, who do you not trust? Um, I'm going to go for a team that of the weekend, I thought, you know, Carlton will get to later. St Kilda, hmm. you know, it's St Kilda are obviously a medium team, uh, just, just in the sharp differences between the best and their worst. But a team that I feel like hasn't gotten anywhere near enough this season for their poor, poor start to the season is Gold Coast. I had them in the eight at the start of the season, and I know I was going out on a limb. Most people wouldn't have had them there. But I'm more disappointed by the fact that if you watch their third quarter, they were more than taking it up to the dogs. In the third quarter alone on the weekend, they kicked six goals to two, including, uh, aside from that, a goal on the halftime siren, which over that patch made it seven out of nine goals in that phase. They proved that not only can they go toe-to-the-toe with the dogs, but when they're playing well, they actually can play better than them and can outplay most of the teams in the competition. And you look at their list and the likes of Miller, Greenwood, King and Rankin, Swallow and Lukosius, and you're like, why aren't they doing this? Surely we're at a point where we're out of, we're out of excuses. Like They conceded before their seven out of nine streak, they conceded 11 goals to nil in the first... 59 minutes of the match before halftime. That's appalling. That's not a team that's ready to come out and play football and play for their play for their jersey, play for their club, play for their football careers. That's a team that kind of knows they're talented and picks and chooses their battles, which is one of the worst things to watch as a fan. And believe me, I know. I've been yeah, watching 100%. the Saints the last few weeks. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, they... They did not look like a football team in that first half. It was really, really hard to watch. And now we move on to our main story. It's been nine years since Carlton began a season with a positive record after five games. And once again, Carlton fans are being forced to contemplate another season of failing to compete for footy's ultimate prize. Like a strangled sea turtle, Carlton appears to be dead in the water. But how bad is it? At two and three, with losses to two top four sides in Port Richmond, on paper it doesn't seem too bad. But Carlton's problems run much deeper than that. It runs to the heart of who Carlton truly is. Many don't know, but Carlton is actually the French word for disappointment. Charles de Gaulle once called, once famously declared, Je suis Carlton, after Paris fell to the Nazis. Carlton fans feel the continual disappointment as part of who they are. Carlton hasn't finished in the top eight since 2011 and hasn't finished in the top four since the year 2000. That was also the last time anyone respected something that Mick Malthouse said. That's 20 years of relentless messaging to your fans telling them the club sucks. This trauma can be internalised by fans and be expressed through experimental mediums such as, God forbid, interpretive dance. The weekend's result against Port Adelaide demonstrated why Carlton fans have lost hope. They are lazy with their tracking and seem lost, much like watching my Labrador attempt to be a sniffer dog. A lot of criticism has come onto the younger Carlton players that are former high draft picks. Paddy Dower seems sad. Liam Stocker seems bound for the bottom shelf. Loki O'Brien's career is in need of roadside assistance, and I'd rather have a HSP than SPS, even if SPS was covered in multiple delicious sources. And their older players are being criticised for taking spots that could be given to younger players as well. Ed Kerner gets overshadowed by his brother in the hospital. Lockie Plowman should get a job on a farm. Gibbons is as useful as a monkey. And Eddie Betts? Nah, I still love Eddie. So where does that leave Carlton now? Exactly where they were five years ago. And exactly where they will be in five years' time. Nowhere. At least Carlton fans can look forward to their Patrick Cripps compensation pick. Wow, Tom, what a scathing piece of analysis on Carlton there. That was... Very harsh by, well, I was going to say you, but very much by me as well. So I, I think it was a joint effort. Yeah, um, well, I still 100% agree with everything that was written down there. It is a real, real, like just a train wreck when it comes to Carlton's list management strategy and and draft selection. Like it all comes back to 
to sauce and his inability to pick a midfield. Um, I think I saw it on, on the couch um, yesterday where they went through all their first round picks they got other than Wiedering, Walsh, and they count Charlie Kerno, even though he hasn't played in two years. Every other player is average at best. Um, average or below, basically. And that is a real indictment on, a, you know, a system that is supposed to equalise the competition. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't disagree with that stance, but actually, I actually am more in the camp that the problem is with development. I do believe the theory that you can't hand aside basically 10 first-round draft picks and only have three of them work and then have it be the player's fault. Um, I think there's clearly some development problems. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a bit both, but there's clearly some development problems at Carlton in terms of getting the most out of their talent in comparison to oh, yeah. you look at 100%. some of the other teams like Hawthorne and Geelong who are specialists at it at picking players in the 50s and then turning them into all Australians. Yeah, or recycling players who uh, are no longer useful at, at old clubs. Exactly. Uh, which they haven't haven't even considered doing. And with that, we're going to move on to our first battle round. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. I'm going to win this like Logan Paul, Tom. Or Jake, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know who was actually fighting, to be honest. Uh, I don't just know either. That's saw the headline. It was over quickly. It's going to be over as quickly as that fight. <laughs> There's my diss. Bang. Wow. I got this covered. Anyway, Tom, my jokes are bad. So let's see what you've got. What have you got for our first round? All right. All right. Uh, so, Alex, I've uh, been doing a bit of digging and I found something that the people really, really need to hear. Um, we need to talk about the Gold Coast. Um, I've done the research and I think I've found something. Um, is it cocaine? I really don't, <laughs> I, I really if, don't If we're looking at what most of the problems are at the Gold Coast, it's, it all comes back to cocaine. <laughs> well, I, no, I'm not sure that it is, but I don't think they're an actual football team, right? <laughs> oh, interesting. They, they were born in 2009 and they have played in no finals. They have received special treatment via the best draft picks in my living memory, and that's all for a record of 53 wins, two draws, and 165 losses. Now, it's easy to pick on the Gold Coast. In fact, it's so easy that the media forget that they exist. Without Rao, they really disappear into the system, and nobody is there to defend them. So let's go for a trip down memory lane. In 2009, they had Bluey McKenna, a hard-nosed but clueless coach who didn't know how to control his team. Stories of house parties, drug abuse, and other things Harley Bennell and Carmichael Hunt did made it look grim. <laughs> they should have hired the dog Bluey because he might have been a better, better father figure. <laughs> Especially as their twin GWS started with one of those one of the best coaches ever and a raft of players who didn't listen to a washed up Izzy Falau and his kooky opinions on the sanctity of marriage. <laughs> Hang on, can I speak briefly in the defense of Bluey McKenna? I did meet him last year. And he is, by all accounts, a, a lovely person. Maybe he's not the best coach <laughs> in the world, but he is he is a nice guy at least. <laughs> <laughs> but from there it didn't get easier they ditched their you know rather nice birth father for a brutally abusive stepfather named rocket a known angry man with his greatest achievement being not destroying adam goods's career via verbal assault he left that to the australian <laughs> public the parties continued and the kids got angry a lot of them would have rather be orphans then listen to Rocket. So they stopped playing. By 2017, Charlie bit his finger so hard that they moved They moved him to Adelaide. Babyface Tom faked the disability for a year so he could see some Tigers. <laughs> but there was one man who'd stood through it all. In the years that followed, a bald-headed baby um, of the you know, one true creator went on to win another achievement award for being so darn good at the game, find the football. 
The club turned around and went on to play at least four final series and even snag a premiership along the way. Oh, and all the kids who left the family, well, now they're sad and alone with no parents. Just kidding. The club fired Rocket halfway through the year and asked the Knights of the Oval Table for extra funding because the first hundred million disappeared. The bald-headed son of God faked an injury for a season and went back to his birth father who welcomed him with open arms. Oh, and the kids who left, one should have been an All-Australian, one is an All-Australian, and the other is a two-time premiership player whose position is currently decoy to an old bloke named Jack. (laughs) So, back to my original point. This isn't an AFL team. It's a group of people who lack any soul, heart, or love. They have been fatherless and abused for a very long time. They have rebelled lashed out, and turned to drugs and alcohol. They either want to leave their hometown or find their birth fathers. John Fartham says we're all someone's son, but it seems like nobody wants them. They aren't the Gold Coast sons. They're the Gold Coast orphans. Oof. Wow, Tom, that is hard hitting. I thought you were going to get to the end there and say they like drugs, they don't have father figures, and they don't know how to express themselves. My God, they're a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> they're a punk. Well, <laughs> maybe may, may uh, Dix, Dixon, uh, Lynch, and uh, Gaz could form, and May could form a punk rock band. I, I would, I would definitely go see that. That's a vibe. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if we're, if we're looking it's into been... the reality of like why this this team, I'm going to call it in quotation marks, doesn't succeed when they don't have any soul, I, I think probably the best guess is that they've been built by a corporation, not by, you know, anything with a soul. <laughs> uh, <I> w- <laughs> well, they've been alive for 12 years, right? So I was thinking that they they could have been uh, stuck in Azkaban and been waiting for 12 years, <laughs> but it, they'd have to make finals 12 this years year I've been it. waiting. I've been waiting. <laughs> But they'd have to make finals this <laughs> year. One and four, it's not going <laughs> to But they're not going to make it. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think they're going to make it. They, their worst is too bad. And you're never going to get yeah. anywhere with no Ruckman and, you know, a, a bunch of key yeah, defenders no, no and Ruckman Hugh Greenwood. And, yeah, and no, game, no real game plan. No real game plan. <sighs> I, I think they're a mess. Anyway, it's, yeah, time yeah. For, it's time for my bit of analysis, Tom. Um, now, we are five rounds into the season now, which means we're almost a quarter of the way through the season. So, what better time to start rolling out my rolling All-Australian side? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sick. This has been coming. This has been coming. Okay, so we're going to do this, yeah. I've decided, quarterly. Yep. Quarterly, this is going to come back. So I've got an initial team here, and then we'll come back in a month or two and do another one. And then we'll get to the end of the season, and we'll see how many of these players from this original team made it through to the end. And the answer is probably about four, because mostly this is just form. <laughs> like, there are several players <laughs> on here that played two or three exceptional games, but then got injured, so can't even be considered. So, like, anyway... This team, however, is pretty interesting for its dynamics. So let's get into it and we'll see your opinions on it. So my back line from the fullbacks, Tom Stewart, Darcy Moore, and, oh God, I've got his first name. What's his, Ridley, what's his, is he Jack? No. Jordan. It's Jordan. Jordan, Jordan Ridley. I was like, I oh, know it's Jay Ridley, but I couldn't remember what his name was. So Tom Stewart, Darcy Moore, and Jordan Ridley. Then the halfbacks, Daniel Rich, Jake Lever, and Jack Bowes from the Gold Coast. What are your thoughts on that so far? Um, uh, Aaliyah Jones is pretty stiff to miss, mm. but they're all they're all pretty good options. Ridley's injured, so um, it's only a he concussion. might not be in the next. Yeah. Ah, oh, okay. So he won't play, but um. So you won't miss extended period. Yeah, I think that's all right. I think Jones Jones had a re- had a really bad one against Port this week. So, you know, he's not as consistent as the others. So I think that's a fair assumption. Yeah, I do like Liam Jones. I, I just don't think he's quite as strong defensively as Darcy Moore or Jake Lever. I, I 
been leaning towards mm. them. I just think they've been so good in terms of their interceptions. The only thing that almost lost Darcy Morris spot is if he continues to go forward. <laughs> like oh. he did a good job at it, but I, I can't consider him as the best fullback in the league if he's playing at centre half forward. <laughs> All right, our centre line. We've got Ed Langdon, who you mentioned earlier, Travis mm. Boak and yep. Sam Walsh. And then our followers, okay. Max Gord, Jack McRae and Clayton Oliver. Yeah, okay, I can take that. Yeah, Clay- Clayton's been building um, each of the last five ga- five wins. He's gotten progressively better and better. Um, he and and him and Gorn were best on ground last weekend. Um, who? Yeah, Boke Boke's in rare Brownlow medal form again. Um, at his age, which is he's just like a fine wine, just better with age. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and, and of course, Maxi is uh, all Australian ruckman again. Oh, you may want to save your fine wine because we got another one coming up who is the definition of getting better with age. Um, but first, our half forwards and full forward <laughs> line: Petrarca, yeah. the Texan, and yeah, yep. um, God, Oscar Allen. Oh, there's another one I almost forgot the first name of. Toby Green, Jack Rewalt. I have listed at full forward, and Cosy Pickett in the pocket. Thoughts on those? All right, you're missing a few people, but I'm going to wait until the end because maybe you put them somewhere else. Um, Cozzy Pickett's really Australian already. I mean, you look at the stats for a small forward. I mean, obviously, Toby Green is far and above the best small, the best, small yeah. to mid forward in the game right now. But yeah. Pickett's start to the season has been electric. He's um, got great stats in terms of score involvement, goals scored, um, his pressure rating's excellent. He's everything you want, and he's exciting and difficult to match up on. Okay, okay. This yeah, is not, I think this is not best career. This yeah, is yeah. just no, this no, season. No, no, that's true, that's true. Just this yeah, season. Yeah. All right, yeah. my, my bench. So this will be the part where you go crazy because you'll be looking at the names that aren't here. Um, David Mundy, Dustin Martin, yeah. Mark Blitzarves, and yeah. Tom Liberatore. Dusty doesn't start. Well, I mean, if we're going on this season... Dusty had an excellent first two games and then has been a bit poor since then. Like not bad, but just a bit medium. He he was still the best player on the ground in the Richmond Richmond St Kilda game. Oh, I thought there were other candidates for that. Oh, he's I, so I think good I to probably watch. would have gone with Edwards. Sure, I thought, you just I thought chuck Edwards him in the really chuck good. him in the back pocket. There's always space in the well, back. Well, okay, pocket. so part of I don't the reason even care if he doesn't play that. Part of the reason why I would like I like Dusty on the bench is then you can put him anywhere. Like, you can just have mm, him come on yeah. and play midfield. And also partially why he's there is because he hasn't been one of the best forwards this season because he hasn't spent enough time there. No. And he hasn't been one of the best midfielders this season because he doesn't spend enough time there. So he's perfect yeah. for the bench. He can come on, do both. Yeah. Mundy is the correct decision. He is currently, should be an All-Australian midfielder. I mean, he would be top so five good. for best field kicks in the game. Still, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, um, Libba for his um, center clearance exactly. work, which is exceptional. Yeah. And then Blitzarves, I I just think everything he does, he does well. He goes into the ruck, he does it well. He plays on the wing, he does it well. I think he's had a strong start to the season despite Geelong's poor form. So I think he's uh, a flexible candidate as well. Um, anyone that you thought particularly missed out? Um, I'm trying to think... Um, in about the, the, I can't think of the forward line. Um, you had Rewalt over someone like a Norton, um, which is interesting. Um, I just think Rewalt's been put, excellent so far. Yeah, maybe. A child, um, not a single port forward, which is interesting. Um, yeah, so if we're going controversial and we're looking at the time team and going, where is where is the representation representation from specific teams? So the Bulldogs yeah. only have two players. Uh, That's I think fair. They 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 spread it around, so you're not going to yeah. get uh, all of them in there. There are one, two, three, four, five Melbourne players. 
But I think that's partially because they are a little bit top heavy. I think their top end is very good and their bottom end isn't quite as strong. Your boys, Sydney, do not have a single player featured in this team and Port Adelaide are only represented by Boak. So is there anyone from those teams in particular you feel deserves a spot? I don't know. Like Even as a Sydney fan, I wouldn't put anyone there. I mean, Heaney was looking really good. Heaney was looking good. I mean, <laughs> but he only played three games and kicked three, three and five. Um so you you could have made an argument for for Buddy. Some, there was there was one Sydney player who was in this team at one point, and that was Dane Rampey, but yeah, he ended injured. up missing out. Mm. I, I just think Dane Rampey is arguably the best, just straight up lockdown defender in the game. Yeah, I think you can put him on anyone, and he doesn't lose. Um, yeah, and and I think he's done that really well this season. There was also a lot of talk about the the oh-so-famous ball-up in which Josh Kelly kicked the winning goal on the weekend and how if you have somebody like Dane Rampey on the field in that ball-up, Josh Kelly isn't standing free. And I think that's an excellent point. Yeah. Um, All right, that's my rolling All-Australian side post-round five. So we'll check back in in a little while and then come the end of the season, we'll see who are the big sliders, who moves in, who moves out. And of course, Tom, I forgot to mention, they're coached by none other than Luke Beveridge. I think he's been the best coach so far. I mean, they look just about unbeatable, but we'll find out in two weeks' time when Richmond play the Bulldogs. I'm very excited for that. Um, but that's it. That's my rolling, rolling All-Australian side. Nice. And now we travel around the ground to the world of football to see what else is making news. I don't know why I did it like that. <laughs> JDG phone home. Now we know the Magpies tried something different on the weekend. Playing tall, bringing in Cameron and moving Darcy Moore to the f- and Grundy to the forward line. But after a three minute burst from an all too familiar foe, Collingwood have fallen to one and four. Now, because God is punishing them for reckless spending, both Jeremy Howe and Jordan Ngoi went off injured. And... On top of that, they were caught using their phones, violating the no-phone policy the AFL has for players on game day. Now, it's not for the same reason your English teacher took your phone off you. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Katie. Stop texting Chanel. You'll see her in like 15 minutes. It's for the integrity of the game. And by integrity, we mean betting. Now, for a group of individuals who notoriously don't care about school and the rules, it's going to be difficult to tell them something and for it to stick in their head. I mean, it's a concussed Jordan Dugowie. He doesn't even know the word no when he isn't struck on the head. Wait, more Collingwood news? Now, when you see recruiting shock, pie sign ruck prospect who has never played footy on your newsfeed, you can't help but smile. On a very, very strange day for Collingwood, they have signed an 18-year-old Senegalese basketballer on an international rookie scholarship. Now, he was kicked out of Australia because of visa issues, and he hasn't played football before, and he was trained by Tyrone Vickery. But it isn't all bad. I mean, they can't overpay him, run out of money, and then pay him to play for the Bulldogs. Yet. In saying that, signing a person of colour in a game that is made of majority private school boys and providing an opportunity for a group in society that is constantly racially abused should be a rather proud and historic day for the club. Now, where have I heard that before? Uh, What a segment there, um, Alex. uh, Around the grounds, but mostly (laughs) Culligan News. Um, How do you feel about those two stories uh to be honest i didn't really get the phone one until later in the week i didn't really understand it at first um it must it, it, i don't know if it's a new rule um but no nah, this has been around since phones have been around yeah it never re- never still doesn't really make sense to me it's like they're treating them like children um yeah, well, I mean, you know, on one level, I think, you know, they're, they're adults, they can be trusted. And then on another level, I think of Jaden Stevenson <laughs> betting on himself to kick goals in a match. And I think, nah, they can't be trusted. Yes, my a friend of mine told me that today as well. <laughs> um, and for that reason, 
they announced today that they've been fined twenty thousand dollars. The players or the club? With, so, no, the club. Yeah, the club. The club. Fined. Yeah. Um, but on the on the new recruiting shock of a player who's never played footy before, does that mean I can get a game? Are you two hundred and two centimeters, Alex? <laughs> Uh, and am I Senegalese? Yeah. yeah. No. 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 No, no to either of those facts. Very, very much doubt it. They did a. They he did a combine style, uh, like yeah. training. Not training. What would you do? Test. And he. They had to increase the the size of the running vertical jump because he jumped over the maximum of what they had. So he can he, he can he can jump. Can't play, but what, can jump. What are you saying? White men can't jump, Tom. <laughs> no. Are you saying white men can't jump? <laughs> uh, no, Brody Grundy, Max Gorn. Uh, I'm very proud yeah. of that. That was good. That was good. <laughs> All right. All right. The AFLW Grand Final was on the weekend, and it was an epic. Um, I'm not gonna lie. This was a great build up to a game. They sold out the stadium. They had their own time slot and the game delivered uh, even without the Adelaide captain. Both teams went at it with ferocious intensity and Brisbane ended up on top. Uh, Tom, what did you think of the game? Yeah, huge game. Both captains going down within minutes of each other. Um, One with a serious uh, knee injury as well. Um, But the game was... An instant classic. There were there were moments in the game that you would be, like that were iconic. You're like, did you see Hudder's first one of Hudder's goals? The ball's rolling, and it looks like identical to the 2010 Grand Final goal, where it's going to uh, towards the goal and does a right turn into the post, and she catches up with it, put, throws it on the boot with no hands while being tackled, and it goes through. It, it was in a inspirational goal, um, and that probably set it up because from there they managed to kick, you know, six six two, and it was it was clearly enough um, to win. Yeah, um, Courtney Hodder proving again with her two uh, instrumental match winning goals, why why she's a game winner for them. Um, I, I thought the most impressive part was the. The ferociousness in their defence mm. to put pressure on Adelaide when they came forward. Yeah, in the last quarter as well. Um, Kate Luckins was excellent. She ended up winning the best on ground medal, which um, in the aftermatch, the aftermatch, the Brisbane coach even suggested potentially naming it after Aaron Phillips, of course, from Adelaide, who's been so good for them mm. so far. Um, yeah, I thought Kate Luckins was excellent. She got solid support from um, Brianna Conan, who was very good as well. Um, they're just they're a really strong side Brisbane I'm really glad for them that Mm -hmm. having you know they're the classic example of um fallen short a couple times and then finally able to get the job done especially against a side like Adelaide who'd beaten them in the past it was a great win for them I thought huge huge and they also had to do it in the middle of a of in the middle of their when their city was in trouble with the COVID as well um, which we know about through the the men's game, and they also had to you know train through a little bit of lockdown and and they, it was during their final series, so um, to do to do that and still manage to win, also away from home, not in a neutral venue like on Adelaide's deck, is a huge result. Um, and I they they look they look uh, like an incredible side, and yeah. Like it's just nice to see them, as you said, win after a couple failed attempts. Um, I also one thing I want to point out as we transition back to the men's game. Um, I'll ask you a question. The Lions have a fantastic tagger whose name is Kathy. I believe it's Savak, but I'm not certain about that. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, she was instrumental in the win, keeping Ebony Marinoff, who had 35 the week before in the prelim, to just 12 possessions in the grand final. Um, with the rise of the tagger in the women's game, do you think we'll see the tagger coming back to the men's top? So maybe. Um, it's just it's it's always hard to tell because you know when it comes off. I think coaches understand when it comes off, it looks amazing. But when it doesn't come off, it's really really hard 
to to make it work and to win. Um, so I'm not sure that it'll come back in a hurry. I'm not ent- I'm not entirely sure that they uh, that coaches are a fan of it because otherwise they'd be doing it a bit more. And I think the talent isn't there. Like you know, the bakers the of the world and the um what, the lings. lings like they they just don't exist in the game as much and and you look and you look at like you know some we'll take the the standard dusty even even 10 years ago 15 years ago there's still no player who can tag dusty all around the ground like it doesn't mm. exist um so it, it's getting harder and harder to to tag the best in the competition um on uh, and I don't know if it'll come back. Well, yeah, t- tagging Dusty is very different from tagging Lockie Neal, mm. for instance, who is well held by Mark O'Connor. Yeah. Anyway, that's another one just to throw up in the air. But we're going to move into our second battle round. Ding, ding, ding. UFC sound effects, because we're going with that theme today. Um, okay, Tom, I'm going first with a contribution and a little bit of news, if you haven't heard. This is a bit of... I don't know. Some people have called it exciting. Some people have called it horrifying news. (laughs) The best teams in world football are going to break away from their individual domestic leagues to form one Super League. (laughs) (laughs) I I do. I do. Because it's, I I think. We're not, we're not going to get into the, 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 the depths of what the Super League will mean for the death of football worldwide, but it, I think it's a terrible decision. I think it's an absolutely shocking decision and it's going to cause the biggest rupture in sporting history. Um, but how do you fix a problem like that, Tom? How do you fix the potentially the biggest rupture in sporting history? By replacing all of those 12 rebellious Premier League and European teams with footy teams instead, Tom. (laughs) All right, I'm in, I'm in. Let's go. So I have found an AFL team to replace each of the individual teams that have decided to go out and rebel and join the Super League. So here are my 12 teams that will replace those teams. All right, okay, you ready? Firstly, how do you replace Real Madrid? Well, you know, they're an icon. Well, you replace them with Richmond. Why? Because they win all the time and everyone hates them. <laughs> yeah. Fair. <laughs> and Manchester United. Manchester United are the most famous football team in the world. You know, who's like them? Well, I figure Carlton is the best choice. Why? Because they were good once upon a time, but no one can really remember when. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone alive who could remember. <laughs> and... What about their crosstown rivals, Manchester City? Who would be a good choice to replace them? None other than the Eddie Maguire-less Collingwood. Yeah. Why? Because lots and lots of money, and let's be real, most of it's suspicious. <laughs> yep. Now, of all of the teams to make it into the 12 teams, the ones that most people have been... Um, Angry about is Arsenal. Mm-hmm. They're seen as not good enough, not deserving of the spot. So who better than North Melbourne? Why? Because no one really knows why you're here in the first place. <laughs> yeah, they're well, they're probably kicked out of their own competition, so they have to find somewhere to play. <laughs> well, maybe North Melbourne and Arsenal could just play each other every week. <laughs> Multi-sport, 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. What about, okay, okay. What about the Italian champions themselves, Juventus, Tom? Mm -hmm. How do you replace Juventus, you know, with the likes of Ronaldo? Well, I figure you put in the Gold Coast because both teams prove that you can give a team the best player in the world doesn't mean they'll win anything. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) The little master, though. Little master. They've both been called the little master. They have, and for good reason, good reason. Now, Tom, I have a team that which many, many people out there will not have heard of, Atletico Madrid. Who's them, you say? Well, Tom, Fremantle. Why? Because there's another team in that city? Huh, I didn't know that. <laughs> wow. Oh, our Freo, fa- our Freo fans are listening to this are rioting right now. Absolutely rioting. Wait, so, 
Wait, sorry, Tom. They're a Freer fan? <laughs> I didn't know that. The Purple Haze. No, they have to They have to start winning when, and then the Purple Haze will come. <laughs> All right. Um, Liverpool, the reigning champions. But, you know, they haven't had too good of a season. You know who they remind me of? The Ferrari, Tom. Yep. The Giants. Why? Because there were wheels on the Ferrari a while ago, but they've definitely fallen off since then. <laughs> Fiat. They're now a Fiat. And, of course, Arsenal's North London rivals, Tottenham, the hotspot. Who's perfect for them? Why? I think it's Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Every year, their fans look at the list and go, hey, we should really compete this year. <laughs> and every year, they never fail to get disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> and both have a lot of really, really old, rich men go for them. So it does work out. Absolutely. What about Chelsea? You know, I think Essendon is perfect for them. Why? Because they got in their best ever player to coach the size, only for it to end in tears. <laughs> that's, that's the best one. Uh, I really wish it comes out that Frank Lampard was giving them illegal substances. Now, uh, you could do a double. You could do a double movie. Get the get um uh the same actor to play both Lampard and James Heard. Oh, it'd be like Boyhood. He could do it over seven years. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah, do both. That's my theory, yeah. Um, um, okay, what about the former champions, Barcelona? Mm-hmm. You know, they've been there, done that. Who's better than Geelong? Do you remember in 2009 when they were the best team in the world with all those superstars and now they're just old? <laughs> Why does these work so well? <laughs> I don't know, Tom. It's almost like I've <laughs> time and effort into writing these. Uh <laughs> All right, all right. Now, who, who are we left with? The two the two Milan sides. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows who they are. Inter Milan and AC Milan. Well, I've decided that I think Brisbane and Port, respectively, are perfect okay. for them. Why? Because they were good in the 2000s, but only recently have they come back into the headlines. Yeah, yep. That works out. Checks out. And to finish, of course, because this, this doesn't end with the 12s teams that have actually decided to rebel. Whether or not this lives or die will be based on whether or not Bayern and PSG go with them. So, of course, you can't have that without the two titans, Hawthorne and Sydney, that are going to need to be convinced. Otherwise, this is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we have to get the successful clubs involved. Otherwise, no. Not worth yeah. it. Not worth it. Yeah. You can't start a Super League with Kelton and North and not Sydney and Hawthorne. And then, you know, if they get bored, they decide they want to, you know, rotate a few of those next five best teams in the world into the league, you know, like an Everton. Maybe they call up St Kilda, you know? <laughs> not good enough for the not good enough for the for the, the top six, just nearly. <laughs> Always nearly. <laughs> oh man. That's so sad. Alright, Tom, that's my substitute super league. Yeah, I'm the I'm AFL's in. The AFL's gonna form their own and it's gonna I'm in. I'm so in to watch that. I'm watching that over the actual soccer one. Oh, God, it's going to end the sport. <laughs> On the upside, more kids will get into AFL in Australia <laughs> because there won't be any football to get into anymore. Uh, <laughs> All right, Tom, it's time for your bit of analysis. What have you got? All right, so we spoke about it a little bit um, in the plays that I trust, but I, but the reason that I trust Melbourne and players like Ed Langdon is because of their game plan. And it's the game plan that has, we have seen before. So I'll explain the game game plan to you. Basically, the first thing is to get and uh, players fit enough so they can have as many as possible comfortable um, on the field for as long as possible. So um, this will allow players like... Spargo and Kasai Pickett to jump on and off the field to keep opponents on their toes. So this results in Spargo and Pickett having relatively small time on ground numbers with 75% and 73.5%. But... Um, wow, is it that low? Yeah, it's really low. But they still have combined 11 goals off 21 and 21 scoring shots while ranking second and third for the tackles inside 50 for the Demons. Right? As a result of the plan, through 
five games now. Um, Melbourne has fielded five players who have been able to operate 90% more time on ground. So Tomlinson, Langdon, Gorn, Fritch and Lever stay on the ground for 90%. I think Lever's on there for 97, 98% of the game. Eddie Langdon's in the high 90s as well. And one of those, one of those five games he stayed on for 100% of the time. Um, so what does this all mean though? Um, so far, the Ds have won every fourth quarter they've played in. This this stat was taken before Hawthorne, and they destroyed them in the fourth quarter. So it's more than the percentage that it's saying. But it says after four games, they have a percentage of 140, which will skyrocket now because it's before the Hawthorne game. Um, and they have a mind-boggling nine players contribute to at least 85% game time over the course of that season. Um, but this doesn't say that they're good, good to go, ready for finals, but it says a little bit. Um, so according to Stats Insider, where I got, where, where we got all this information, eight of the last 10 fourth quarter champions have made it to at least the prelim and six of those eight have appeared on grand final day. Now, if that's not a interesting stat and something to keep an eye out, I don't know what is. Um, so will they be able to keep this up and how did they change it so quickly, Alex? Wow. That is a ripping piece of analysis, Tom. I really like that. Um, I think for starters, we got to look at a couple of the players and how they've approached this season. Ed Langdon is as fit as he's ever been. Tom McDonald is, there was a lot of talk about him going into the season about last season when, um, you know, he tried to shop himself around. They tried to shop him around to mm. see what they could get for him. And no one wanted to buy it that suddenly he realized that he wasn't up to the standard that he needed to be. And he went out and got super fit. So I think obviously those two, I mean, Max Gorn is like, I think his level of impact on a match is underrated. Um, I, I, it's hard to say that given how well agreed that he is the one of the best players in the game. It, but seriously, if, if we're going on match impact, like in terms of who you're picking for a game in terms of, you know, whether or not they can be replaced or picking somebody that can do something like them, he's almost unparalleled at the moment. He gets 20 touches a week, takes multiple contested marks, kicks goals and monsters the hit outs. Like he, he essentially is playing four positions at once. So he's doing all of that on in excess of 90, 95% game time which allows, I knew that their numbers were low. Like that's how they get their game time is they almost that relentless Richmond style of high pressure. But I didn't realize that part of that, like they were doing it that low. And it shows you how much work, you know, Tomlinson and the others are doing into getting that into play. Um, it's been a fantastic turnaround for Simon Goodwin and his team this season. And a very nice bit of analysis from you there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Stats Insider, great website to jump on just to see uh they they just pick a few few topics each week, um, and the this one I just it just jumped out to me, especially that last bit um, where you know it was it was super noticeable as well. Like when Richmond were doing really well, you would see that in twenty seventeen you would see they'd get to a game in towards no in twenty yeah twenty eighteen but with the year that they lost in the prelim they get really really close to three quarter time and then just knock teams out of the path park in the fourth quarter and I do think it is a sign of those times and, and I think you're hundred percent right gone. I don't think he's underrated. I think he's actually gone a level above to what he was last year and the year before. Um and it's it's uh, maybe it's to do with the captaincy. Some people seem to thrive with the with the captaincy. Others seem to fall. Um, so maybe he's just go getting that step up because of that responsibility. Yeah, I mean his stats. He's just about elite um, in almost every single statistic. And if he's not, then he's above average. Like his across the board record is incredible. Yeah. Um, wow, what what a battle we had today, then Tom. I think. In my opinion, I think my joke was the stronger of the two, but that bit of analysis is just ripping. Who do you think won? No, your joke was better. I think, yeah, that, that's that's always the issues. I think your joke was better, but my analysis was a bit stronger. So I'm not sure 
who to give it to anymore. Well, I think I think we have to, based on the fact that we are an AFL adjacent podcast. Yeah, we have to default to humor as our primary skill. I was, and so therefore, all right. I think I'll get the point for today. All right, you take it. Two all um, is it two all now? I think it's two all. But a valiant battle and a great piece of analysis. As we're going to move into our tips now, we start with Friday night. No more Thursday night games. So let's quickly start on that. Tom, are you disappointed? So sad. So so sad. Like we know, you know. In the NFL, they have Monday night football and it's their biggest round. It's their biggest night for for viewers. It's a, yeah. it's getting, it's just getting ridiculous. It's like still stuck in the, the eighties and the fact that they play games at the same time and it overlaps. Ah, oh man, they really just play it all at different times. Like the EPL. Yeah. Oh. So... It's the, this really weird mentality within the NFL. I'm just going to highlight this weekend as an example mm. of that, right? So we have um, a clear effort in some areas to try and make sure that matches get free air and aren't crossing over. And yet in some spots, we've got two matches running at the same time. So on Sunday, on Anzac Day, there is free air. Hawthorne Adelaide is actually starting at 1230 that's how early it is to make sure that they get free air runtime into Collingwood Essendon. And then after that, the Port Adelaide St. Kilda game is until 6.40. That's good scheduling. That's getting it so, done. So we're doing it there. And yet on Saturday night, we have Melbourne and Richmond going head-to-head with Fremantle and North, which is a big game for both of those teams happening in the background. Mm-hmm. And then in the afternoon, we have two games at 1.45, Geelong and West Coast, which is massive for both of those teams. Gold Coast need to win a game to get their season going, and they're playing Sydney. And both of those teams are next to each other when we have free Thursday night slots and free Sunday night slots. I just, I don't get it. Anyway, we'll get into the actual tipping. Friday night, with its standalone game of the Giants versus the Bulldogs, Tom. Uh, the Giants two in a row now, and the Bulldogs, of course, five in a row and looking just about unbeatable. But if there's one team that can beat them, it's the team with a grudge. The Giants, these teams have a great, great rivalry building between them. Um, and I think it'll it'll be really good in 20 years. Do you think that the rivalry will help get the Giants over the line? No. The dogs have got this in the bag. <laughs> they just don't have the personnel. They they've really they've really tried valiantly, but they just don't have the personnel, especially at the spine. I know we're, you know, speaking about Western Bulldogs midfield and how how good it is, but their forward line and their defense is the number one. In, they're the number one in team in both points for and points against at the moment. So the the GWS lacking a bit of defensive defensive personnel, and then only having Toby Green um, as their most potent forward it won't be enough. Um, so yeah, Western Bulldogs by a considerable margin. Yes, I'm tipping the Bulldogs as well. Just quickly on that, uh, just why it also looks like Martin will be back for the Bulldogs. Meanwhile, this might be the week that Mumford is forced to be rested again, Mm. meaning that all the advantage they've gained in the last few games with him being back is going to go in the inverse direction with Martin returning. But um, just just quietly, because I went to town on Nat Five for kicking zero goals six last week. Toby Green one kicked seven. zero goal seven no, no, across one the first seven. three and a half yeah. quarters. Yeah. Weekend. No, no, no. <laughs> zero goal seven across the first three and a half quarters, which is incredible in its own regard. But credit to the man under pressure in the last quarter when they were down by... Two, less than two uh, I'm goals. not sure how many it points was it was at the time. Ten points or something. It, Ten or... Yeah, so I think it was to put them within a kick, yep. he went back and kicked it, yep. despite having kicked seven behinds in a row all day. If that doesn't tell you that man's a champion... Aside from the fact he had eight scoring shots as a small forward, I'm not really sure what that's. Yeah. We move on to our next game, the first of the two 145 games on Saturday afternoon. Geelong hosting West Coast. I've just previewed it before. Massive game. Massive, massive Huge. game. Can Geelong get the win here, Tom? Um, I'm actually calling the... Well, I don't know if you call it an upset, but on, based on history and statistics, you'd call West Coast... At GMHBA and upset, so I'm calling the upset, and I think West Coast have got this. Um, I'm ready to to believe this week. I, I did say I don't trust them, but I don't I don't <laughs> trust earlier in the show, but I just don't trust Geelong at all. Like they're the I don't trust them at all, and I'm I'm starting to lean towards you. You didn't put them in the eight, 
and each week they just look it's it's weird because each week they're looking worse and worse but they did win on the weekend so i'm not really <laughs> sure what's, goals yeah, I'm, not, I'm not really sure half the game losing yeah um i, I think west coast might might have this one for the sake of favourites, the Eagles are, uh, are not the favourites. Geelong will enter as the favourites into the game, $1.50 compared to $2.50. Um, yeah. So I'm completely with you. Um, I, I, I do think that this is the reason why you lose battles, Tom, is because you undermine your own points later on in the show. Um, but yeah, but <laughs> I, I do trust the Eagles. Uh, the Geelong are really yeah, bad. I, I think, yeah. If it was someone else. I think Geelong's yeah. mediocre. I think you've had a lot of faith in their whole GMHBA proven track record. And I think this is an example of where it's going to start to fall apart. Um, I think the Eagles are legit. I think they're going to come away, win this game, and just remind everyone that they plan on playing in the uh, finishing in the top four. So I'll be tipping the Eagles. A um, mm-hmm. couple games with really, really interesting lines and uh, for the next few. Gold Coast and Sydney to start with. Um, a Sydney side that just looked a bit off in the last game, having started so well in the first four. And Gold Coast, which are, you know, God knows where they're at, as you so well pointed out. Um, are you backing in your boys? Yeah, surely. Even without Hickey, because, so, you know, Hickey goes out, Sinclair comes straight in, serviceable Ruckman, still better than their lack of a Ruckman at Gold Coast. So... There'll be an advantage there. It's the yeah easiest game for a backup Rockman to come in. Um, uh, so I think even without the the experience that, he, that Sinclair's had this season, you know he's a season, veteran, thirty one. He'll come in, dump, hopefully dominate. And you know Buddy is a big loss, but McLean comes in and he looks good and was just uh, unlucky that the greatest forward of all time uh, was waiting in the wings. So. I think we'll be all right. Yeah, big losses. As we mentioned, Heaney and Rampy last week and now Hickey and Franklin this week. My big tip for this is not necessarily... I'm going to tip Sydney. I'm going to tip Sydney to win. But my big tip for this is whatever either way goes, it's going to be less than two goals. I think this is going to be a really close game. I don't, I don't yeah. think either of these teams is going to really Fair. wrestle control away. I think it's going to be a good game. But I'm still going to tip Sydney because I think they'll be more clutch late. Mm. Um, Carlton Brisbane get the twilight slot for the uh, Saturday afternoon um, in a game that's going to be another really interesting game given, again, we've got a team that's starting to bounce back in Brisbane and then Carlton who's been piled on the slaughterhouse this week. Yeah, I think Brisbane Brisbane are back, as you said. I, I No one can run with Lucky Neal in that, in that uh, Carlton team. Even if they tag him, um, and but defensively they do have covers for Hipwood and Danaher Carlton. So hopefully, if they do some midfield defensive efforts down back, should be able to lock the fort down. Um, so I'm still saying Brisbane, but I'm saying that maybe a Cameron might be the star of the show up forward this week. Oh, we've got a lot of close games on paper here, and yet we're tipping the same. Tom, I'm going Brisbane as well. Um, I just really like, I really like the fact that they're back, and I'm hoping that this is the continuation of that. Whilst Anzac Day mm. is the showpiece, as always, I think the most excited game we are all for. Rephrase. I think the game we are most excited for all of us will be Melbourne Richmond Anzac Day Eve on Saturday night. Like, wow, this game is actually going to be incredible. This is probably one of the best build-ups to a game at, like in, in recent memory that I can think of. Going to cut that. Who do you think is going to win, Tom? Uh, I'm tipping Melbourne. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Um, I want them to I want them to win. Nobody wants Richmond to keep winning. I'm tired of it. Bloody no one wants to hear yellow <laughs> and black anymore. Um, we'll go um, Melbourne. I did mention before there was something I wanted to bring up about this game after you brought up those Melbourne stats. So all of that on how Melbourne is an excellent fourth quarter team this season. Well, look who they're playing against. The best of the best at fourth quarter footy. Uh, this is Richmond's A game. This is yep. what they do. You can hold on for a little bit and then they'll blow you out. Just ask the Saints. Um, I think it's going to be an absolute epic. I think it's going to be a genuine clash of the Titans. It'll remind me a lot of the Richmond Port game 
I think I think Melbourne just need a little bit of a reshape. Um, and Richmond are legit. Like, my God, they were scary against the Saints. So, yeah, Richmond for me. So, so I, I think this will be good, though. Uh, Tom, how much will Fremantle beat North Melbourne by? Ooh, 42 points. So, an admirable performance by North. <laughs> That's what we're considering that these days, sadly. Um, 61 for me. Matt Tabiner to kick five or six. <sighs> something like that. Um, Rough. <laughs> Hawthorne Adelaide down in Tasmania as the precursor to Anzac Day. Mm, Hawthorne really... They, so I watched them against Melbourne and it was close for three quarters, but they just had very unhawthorn like skill areas in key moments in that game quite a few times. Um, so I think even though it's in Tassie, I think I'm going to tip Adelaide. And, and Hawthorne do have a good record in Tassie as well. Um, but I just think Adelaide will be too strong for a very... Supposed to be young Hawthorne team, even though it's not that young. Uh, Hawthorne is one of the weirdest teams at the moment for me because they've lost four games to like pretty reasonable teams, Richmond, Geelong, Fremantle and Melbourne. And they've been competitive in all of them. Like in none of them have been blown away. The worst of them by margin was the Melbourne game. And that was literally only the last quarter. Um, they lost to Fremantle by 15, Geelong by five and Richmond by 29 in a game where, again, a few piled on by Richmond late. Um, I have no idea how good they actually are. They're, they're a weird, weird question at the moment. I do think they're better than Adelaide, though. Um, I think at least down in Tasmania they are. If it was in Adelaide, I think we'd, okay. I think we'd tip them. But I think Tasmania suits them. Um, I'm going to tip Hawthorne, just to give us another point of difference. Um, of all of the games of the round in which I am confused as to tip on, this is by far the most. <laughs> These teams are just so like mediocre, but not good mediocre or bad mediocre, just just mediocre, that I, I have no idea which one of them is the better. Anzac Day Tom, Collingwood Essendon. Who's going to win and what's probably going to be pretty pretty ugly? Ooh, um, I don't know. I... I'm in the same boat as you. I don't think anybody really knows what's going to happen, what type of team, whether what type of Essendon's going to come. Um, so I'm just going to take a stab and say Collingwood bounce back better than Essendon will, and Collingwood will win. Um, I think. Yeah, yeah. Ridley's not playing this week. He's out, so that's a big loss. But they do lose to Goey and Howe as well, Collingwood. Yeah, still Collingwood. Still Collingwood. But tentative. So tentative. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. <laughs> um, Essendon have, in their last four weeks, put in two insipid performances in which they've been thoroughly embarrassed. And then two performances in which they smashed the Saints and pushed Swans and played really well. Like, yeah. So very hot and cold. And then Collingwood is just... Collingwood is more consistently mediocre. Like, they're just... Essendon's good is actually good and their bad is actually really, really bad. Whereas Collingwood's just all the time not quite good enough. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I think Essendon's going to be a little shot for confidence at the moment. So I I think Collingwood's experience will win the day. But not by much. Um, the Saints are going to travel over to Adelaide to face Port Adelaide in a game they won last season, but that team had, well, effort and confidence, and this team has neither. So I don't think they'll win this game, do you? No, Port's going to destroy. <laughs> it's gonna, it, it, maybe, it won't be as bad as last week, but uh, Port will win. Do you think, like, I, I, I'm thinking about this for the first time right now, so forgive me if this is a ridiculous question. Do you think this game could get Brett Ratton fired? No, surely not. Surely not. If uh, no, Marshall Ryder. Well, that's the big question, right? So Marshall and Jones will be back. They were laid out against that game. In which, in my defence, I know I tipped the Saints last week and they were embarrassed. 
I did tip in them thinking that Marshall would play. Obviously, they right, probably yeah. wouldn't have won the game, but it might have helped. Um, yeah. And for them, I, I suspect Ryder's probably had his two weeks getting back into fitness now. So I think both of them might be back, at least probably Marshall. So, I don't know, more competitive? They do this, the Saints. They just, they're insipid one week and then you look at them and you think like, wow, their best is actually like top four footy, but their worst is just, it's so not trying. And the reality is the teams that do that are medium. So which team comes out? I don't know. I, I don't know. Probably it's the bad point. one. Doesn't matter. Probably yeah. the bad one. Yeah, so probably Port Adelaide. That's all. I'll go Port Adelaide. Okay, so in our tips now, last week you got six, I believe, Tom, and I got seven yep. with my. Despite tipping St Kilda, I managed to tip Fremantle correctly. They got up. Um, mm-hmm. So I gained one back on you, which I believe we're now at minus four. Yeah, I think, four I think is the difference yeah. between us. Um, yeah, I was knows? scared you were going to get two. Too, too closer this week, but yeah, you did. How many points things. of difference do we have? Just the two? And with that, Tom, very excitable because guess what? I've cut my Supercoach segment. I was not joking. I'm uh, still trying in my team, but yeah, my team sucks. Um, so I'm not going to... Yeah, I'm, I'm done too. I've been playing draft and oh, it's just the injuries is brutal. Tom, your team is I'm very so hot done. and cold in draft. You smashed me one week and so then got bad. embarrassed on the weekend. Yeah, I didn't. Got absolutely destroyed. But that's because I was playing with one less. But mm. we're cutting the segment. So. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> we're cutting the segment and we're cutting all of this as well. <laughs> all right. And with that, we wrap up our show. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, probably other places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're all, all on up on everything. Um, so until next until next week, we've been at AFL by Dummies. Uh, I'm Tom Kreiser. My name's Alex Henry. See you next week.